from Genesis chapter 18, verses 22 to 33. <clears throat> um, we're in a series called Walking Through Genesis. And um, <clears throat> you, walking through Genesis is rough. Right? Any, come on. <clears throat> but it's good. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. Um, it, 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 there's a lot in it. And especially right now, there's a lot in a really short period of time. And uh, the world doesn't like churches reading through Genesis. Um, but it's a great book. It's very inspirational. And it's very, very instructional on how to live and how to respond to difficult things in the world. <clears throat> Today, we're, uh, two weeks ago when I last preached, we were at Genesis chapter 18. Today, we're also going to be at Genesis chapter 18, but the second half or second, or the, the, I should say the third third of that. So we're reading from Genesis 18, verse 22 <clears throat> to 33. Okay, it says, So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abram drew near to God, and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you. <clears throat> uh, by the way, I love that, that line, far be it fr from you. What he's saying there is, I know who you are and this ain't it. See, the more time you spend with God, perhaps it's because he was willing to walk to the edge of the camp and spend more time with God rather than closing the door and saying, peace out, God, out you go. Um, but the more time you spend with God, the more you know who he is. The more time you come into your father's house, the better you know who he is. The more time you spend in the Word of God, the better you know who He is. The more time you spend in prayer, the better you know your Father's heart. Amen. And Abram, knowing his Father's heart, says, Far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city, I will spare the whole city for their sake. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. But suppose five of the 50 are actually lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And God said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And again, Abraham spoke to him and said, Well, suppose you only find 40 there. <clears throat> and uh, God said, Well, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. And then Abram said, Oh Lord, let, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak again. And suppose 30 are found there. And God said, um, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And Abram said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord again. Suppose 20 are found there. And God answered and said, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Uh, then Abram said again, Oh, uh, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak again, but this once. Uh, suppose just 10 are found there. And the Lord answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And then the Lord went away uh, when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege it is to come to your house, to sit under your word. Lord God, we, as Abraham said, we who are but dust and ashes, and yet the Lord would spend time with us, and yet you would welcome us into your house, the created, welcome to come and spend time with the Creator. God, we're so grateful, we're so thankful for your presence in this place. We're so grateful and thankful for your purposes uh, on our lives and our church. Lord God, actually this weekend, we also, we just celebrate and we thank you that it's been one year since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Lord God, we're so thankful for that, that this weekend, God, that in the middle of Pride Month, one of the most humble things had to happen, God. We're so grateful for that, that our country, God, uh, that, that, that many in our country have humbled themselves and changed direction on such an evil uh, law, Lord. We're so thankful for that, God. And God, we actually pray right now that you would help the Iowa legislators, God, the, the legislators in our state to pass 
the heartbeat bill, Lord God, that as these judges are sort of coming against it, Lord God, and getting in the way of it, God, we just pray that you would, that you would help the legislators to do the right thing, to stand firm, to stay the course, and, and to do what's right, and to stand up for life, Lord God. And I, I pray that you bless them as they do that. God, I pray for, for any woman or, or, or man that's been involved in an abortion, whether it's a woman who had one or a man that pressured it to happen or stood by and did nothing when it happened, Lord God. God, I pray that the shame and the pain of their past mistakes be broken off them, Lord God, that, that they can say, hey, that's what I did. It was sinful. It was wrong. It was evil. But Lord, that you would help them to be released of that shame and to walk forward now, Lord God, as a child of God, preaching the truth, not timid, not afraid to stand up on and say what's right and what's wrong, even though they've done wrong, Lord God. But God, I pray for your peace on them today as well. But God, I pray for our state that it would do the right thing, even when it's hard. And God, I pray for the rest of this service, that you would help me to preach your word with boldness, clarity, conviction. God, you would help our church to receive your word, not just now, but to live it tomorrow too. In Jesus' name, could someone say amen? Amen. Come on, high five one of your neighbors. <coughs> and you may take your seat. The title of my message today is Praying for Sodom, okay? See, essentially, what we see here in this interaction between God and Abraham is a prayer of petition. Uh, Abraham is petitioning God to do something other than what God said he's going to do. And so Abraham is petitioning God to spare Sodom for the sake of the righteous that might live there. And... Uh, and so when you're with God and you're petitioning God and you're talking to God, you are what? You're praying to God, okay? And so here we have Abram praying to God and he's praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> now, I, I want to start with this. I want to I be clear. America is not Sodom, okay? Uh, America is, is not Sodom. I hear a lot of people say things like, America is the new Sodom. America is not the new Sodom. America is not Sodom, okay? Uh, and, and now there are certainly some similarities between the evil things that were going on in Sodom and the evil things that are going on in the United States, but America is not Sodom. And I, and I say that because there weren't even 50 righteous people in Sodom. Not even 50. Not even 10 righteous people in Sodom, but there are hundreds and thousands. In fact, there are actually millions of Jesus-loving, truth-loving, Word of God-loving, uncompromising righteous people in the United States. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so America is not Sodom, okay? Now, 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 now to be clear, not every person who claims to follow Jesus is actually following Jesus. I understand that, right? Right now, um, I could look at my friend Matt Theobald, and I could be like, yo, Matt, uh, Matt uh, from now on, we're going to call you Jesus, and we're going to bow down to, to you from now on, Matt, and we're going to worship you, and, we, we, and, and we're going to pray to you. And, but who knows, no matter how often I call Matt Jesus, he's not Jesus, Right? And so woke Jesus is, is not Jesus, okay? He's, people gave this other dude that believes other things and behaves in a different way, and they named him Jesus. But woke Jesus is not Jesus any more than Matt Jesus is Jesus. Woke Jesus is joke Jesus. It's not real, okay? Not a real thing. So I understand that not everyone who claims to follow Jesus is actually following Jesus, but there are millions. Someone say millions. millions. Right? Or you say billions and billions and billions. We've got millions and millions and millions of morally conservative, Bible-following, uncompromising Christians in the USA who stand on the Word of God and they're uncompromisingly devoted to the truth no matter what it costs them. So America is not Sodom. 
All right. In fact, there will be approximately 1,200 of them at Eternity Church in Clive this weekend, plus a whole bunch in Owine and a whole bunch in Audubon. And every month, there are between three and a half and 4,000 different believers that come to Eternity Church every single month, all right, that are devoted to God. I'm not saying you're perfect, but we're devoted to God. God. We make mistakes, but we're committed to growth. We do sin, but we stay humble. We humble ourselves and seek victory over our sin rather than pridefully rejoicing in our sin. And so, and let's not be so arrogant or prideful to think that we're the only ones in Des Moines. We are not, okay? Let's not be so arrogant and prideful to think that we're the only ones in Iowa or the only ones in the Midwest or the only ones in the United States. There are millions of Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, truth-preaching, gospel-preaching believers in the United States. And so this is not Sodom. Someone should thank God right now, right? Thank God for the millions and millions and millions and millions of Jesus-loving believers in the United States. Praise God. We do not live in Sodom. But if righteous people remain timid or if righteous people become timid, I can see the day. We're in 50 years, maybe 100 years where God will struggle to find even 50 righteous people or struggle to find even 10 righteous people in certain cities in the United States. And so we need to intercede and we need to pray and we need to stand up and we need to be bold in our faith and uncompromising in our convictions and we need to make it uncomfortable to be ungodly in our cities, amen, and in our states, praise God, amen, and, and I believe that as we make it uncomfortable to be ungodly, and as we pray, and as we intercede, and as we stand up, and as we be bold, that instead of becoming like Sodom, our cities and our states, and, 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 and I believe these United States will become like Nineveh, where the reputation of the city changes in a moment because they repent and give their lives to Christ. Amen? I believe that we can head that direction instead of the other way if the righteous stand up and pray. So the first point I want to make uh, today is this, okay? See, again, what do we say? This is not Sodom. Why? Because you're here. That's awesome, right? So the first point I want to make is my city, your city, is better because I, because you, are in it, and we are righteous. Our city is better because we're in it, and we are righteous. Genesis 18, 23 to 26, then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. We then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the richest... Fair as the wicked. Did I say the witches before? I got a few words further and I was like, I don't think I said righteous. Far be it from you that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous in the city, I'll spare the whole place. Hands up in here if you love the Lord. Give me a wave. Come on. Right? right? You love the Lord. You're living your life God's way, according to God's work, <clears throat> in line with His Word. Amen. There's some righteous people in the room. And how blessed is your city because of that? Amen. Oh, how fortunate your city is to have you in it. Come on now. As they wave a pride flag, thank God that there's still a righteous person that lives in that city. Amen. As they gloat in their sin, lucky for them, you live there too. Isaiah 3.9 says, they, the, the look on their face bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They don't even hide it. Woe to them. Woe to them, yeah, but thankfully you live next door. 
No, seriously, thankfully you live next door. Thankfully you're still here because our God is not so unjust that he would wipe away the righteous with the wicked. And so this city is better and this city is safer because you're in it. That's good news. You're not a burden, amen? In this world that seems so far from God, they often mock the righteous, calling them bigots and homophobes and fascists and whatever other horrible term they can come up with. By the way, when someone calls you a bigot, do you know what they're saying? The actual etymology of the word comes from the French, and there was a bunch of ministers that they wouldn't do anything (coughs) except by the word of God, all right? They're like, you know what, you want us to agree with this and you want us to do this, but that goes against the word of God and we're going to stay devoted to the word of God. And they came up with this term and it was this term that was by God and it meant that they won't do anything but by God. They're stubbornly and just stubbornly devoted to to God and his word and they called them bigots. And so now when someone calls me a bigot, I'm like, yes. I'm stubbornly devoted to the word of God, amen? And uh, don't uh, quote that out of context, but anyway. But in this world that seems so far from God, they mock the righteous. They call them bigots and homos and fascists and whatever other horrible term they can come up with to make you feel like you're a burden on this city, to make you feel like you're holding the city back when actually the truth is you're the best thing in your city. You're the best thing in your cul-de-sac. You're the best thing in your apartment building. Can I get an amen? You're the salt that brings some righteous flavor into a city that would otherwise taste like dung. You're the light that keeps the city safe in a city that would otherwise be consumed by darkness. So lift your chin up. Come on now. Don't be so downcast. and Don't let the darkness steal your light. You are the light and you are the salt of the world. Amen. Next time someone tries to make you feel like a burden, you just smile to yourself like this and be like, if I wasn't here, you'd be dead. <laughs> just that, I'm just kidding. But have a laugh, right? Just be like, you're not a burden. You're good for the city. You're helping the city. You're saving the city. If not for you, perhaps God wouldn't be able to find any righteous people in the city. Thank God that there are believers in Des Moines. Thank God there are believers in Ubundale. Thank God there are believers in Johnston. Thank God there are believers in Clive, in Audubon, in Iowa. Thank God there are believers in Iowa. Can someone say amen? I hate it though, on the flip side of this, do you know what I hate? I hate it when people see a tornado or something like that and they will say that's God's punishment on America. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. There'll be an earthquake and they'll be like, that's God's punishment. I remember a couple of years ago there was a uh, tornado and a preacher said that that's God's punishment on America for the sins of abortion. And I was like, that ain't it, mate. That ain't it. Listen, if the righteous died in that tornado too, it's not God's punishment. He's not so unjust that he would destroy the righteous with the wicked. That's what the Bible says. He's not so unjust that he would destroy the righteous with the wicked. That tornado was just how the earth works. Wind and water, moisture and air the way the world works, the way the weather works. We just happen to build our houses right where that tornado was always going to be. Sure, you could ask the question, if I could pivot for a moment and preach a whole different sermon, you could ask the question, why did God not protect them from the tornado? It's a fair question. To which all I can say is this, Jesus said, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. What's he saying? Weather is weather. Weather happens, and we put things where the weather happens, and we build straw houses, right? And weather happens. And then you could then, I I suppose, ask, well, why did God not save the righteous in the storm? Because sometimes he does, though, right? 
You hear these amazing stories of somebody in a storm or a car accident or, or a flood, and it's just miraculous survival stories, and, you're, and, and, and you just, they're like, I just know that God saved me, and, and they're incredible stories. And, but then you hear other stories where sometimes he just didn't. But Isaiah 57 does actually shed light on that. It says, the righteous man perish and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are taken away. Well, no one understands why. But the righteous man is taken away from calamity. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds who walk in uprightness. See, if God doesn't heal or if God does not save the righteous, Isaiah shows us that God is being merciful to them, that there was an evil or a calamity that they either should not have to endure or perhaps that they could not endure. And so he allows them to be taken before their time, so to speak. And so some of you have lost loved ones in horrible accidents and different things like that, and you're like, man, why did that happen? It rains on the just and the unjust, if it was weather-related particularly, but, but also sometimes God just knows, well, always God knows, and sometimes God's determined that the things that were coming in this person's future were so unbearable, it's best to let them go now and come and be in glory with me forever, amen? And so know this, this gives you peace that, uh, that what, what did it say here at the end? The righteous is taken from calamity. He enters into peace and rests in their beds who walk in uprightness, amen? And so know this, your loved one is in peace, praise God, amen? But why am I saying all this? God does not send the rain or the floods or the earthquakes to punish America, if there are righteous ones still living there. Abraham said, far be it, Abraham said this, and God agreed, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked. So back to my point though, you and your so-called old school morals, ethics, and beliefs, <clears throat> you're not a burden on our city. You're not a burden on your city, okay? You're a blessing that until the world comes themselves to accept Jesus Christ, until then, they will not know what a blessing you've been. They don't know that you've been praying for them. They don't know how much you love them. They don't know how you intercede for them. They don't know how, how you pray, Lord, just spare them. Lord, just spare them. Lord, just protect them from, from the storms and protect them from the evil and protect them from the devil and protect them from the consequences of their sin, Lord, protect them. They don't know that you've been praying for them and they don't know how much you love them. And they may never know that. And they may call you names because they don't know that. And they may call you a bigot. They may call you some sort of nasty, nasty name. But listen to me. That is a cross that we have to make peace with carrying. That's part of the cross that you bear. Come on, Jesus died for the world, yet while they were dead in sin, that's what Scripture says, while we, while you, while I was dead in our sin, Christ died for us. And while the world is dead in their sin, mocking you, mocking me, mocking the righteous, the world over, come on now, we are willing to carry that cross that while the world are all sinners, that we're willing to stand in the gap for them, that we're willing to be called names for their soul's sake, that we're willing to be ridiculed for their soul's sake, that we're willing to endure the abuse of the world for the world's sake, because though they sin and though they do evil and though they attack us, we still love them enough to stand in the gap if we hated them, we would shut up and say nothing and separate ourselves, live in a commune somewhere, be a bunch of weirdos, drink poison. But we're not that. We love the world. And we're going to stay in the world. Amen? We don't want to be friends with worldliness and we don't want to be, we don't want to live our lives just so the world loves us. But, but I'm telling you right now, we want to stay in the world, but not of the world. Amen. And we will be different in the world and we will stand up in the world because we want to see them come to repentance and glorify the Lord with us. We want to see them set free and sanctified, humble themselves and find victory. Amen. Amen. But we, look, I, I believe, I believe it, that we will see a, a, a blessing in our lives 
for being willing to endure that cross for their sake. But Jesus said it better than I could ever say it. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others mock you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you on my account. But rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they also persecuted the prophets that went before you. You know what? I actually think if no one in the world at all hates you, you might not be actually preaching the gospel. No, seriously. Like, in, in fact, uh, let me say, I shouldn't say it like that. Let me be more definitive. If everyone in the world, particularly worldly people, if they all love everything that you say, do, and stand for, you are not living your life according to the word of God. The, the gospel's offensive on every level. It's a, even, even the grace of the gospel's offensive because the grace of the gospel is for the person who stole some lollies from the lolly shop um, from some candy from the candy shop, um, and it's also for Harvey Weinstein. Grace is offensive. At the same time, lying is sin and so is homosexuality. And at the same time, stealing is sin and so is divorce. The gospel's offensive, but the grace covers all of it. And everyone can do better and overcome those sins and not do them anymore as they submit their lives to Christ and find victory in humility. And I'm telling you right now, if everyone in the world loves us, we're not doing it right. What I, what I have discovered is that um, pre-sort of 2020 era, when I was more timid, more quiet, just seeking the approval of the world, and, and I know not everybody loved me, don't worry, but, <clears throat> but when you're a little bit egotistical and arrogant as I... I believe I had become at that time, um, you feel like everybody loves you. And can I tell you right now that we have more influence now as a church and as believers right now that we preach the whole truth and it's offensive than we ever had when I felt like everybody loved me. Oh, we had all the shirts, Jesus saves bro. Jesus saves bro. Yes, he does. Like, I love the shirt, right? But saves from what? <laughs> Jesus saves, bro, from what? From what? From the consequences of sin. From hell, Jesus saves, bro. Well, what sin? Jesus saves you from sin. Well, what is it, the stuff you were doing? Well, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Oh, okay. Then I guess you don't need a savior who saves, bro. Right? Jesus saves, bro, from what? That, it's not influence to have someone come in and just be like, Jesus loves you, this I know. Go and live your life the way you want. The Bible tells you so. That's not influence. That's just telling people what everybody's telling people, right? Right? But, 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 but you can live a better life. You can live a transformed life. God wants to change your life. It's not just come in and get saved. It's come in and get transformed. Amen? It's be created, recreated, be transformed into the image of God. Amen? Be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, as Scripture says. If the world loves everything about you, you're probably not doing Christianity right. I know this is heavy, and I know it's hard to be called all sorts of names and threatened and abused and excluded from certain events and gatherings or groups and but Jesus made you a promise. Yeah. Jesus made you a promise. Yeah. He said that your reward will be great in heaven. Yeah. Amen? Now look, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I believe that, 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 that because this life is a gift from God, that in the here and in the now, that God's going to bless me and pour out his favor on me, and life won't just be a test. It will be blessed in Jesus' name, and I'll be rewarded in the here and the now because I'm standing up for the word of God. I believe that absolutely. I believe that God loves to bless his children in the here and the now, but what's even greater than that is Scripture says that my reward will 
will be great in heaven. God's made you a promise. If you'll stand up for the word of God and be willing to be persecuted by the world for righteousness sake, that your reward will be great in heaven. Amen? So take heart. Take heart. But some of you, if the name calling and the and the abuse of the world and the hatred that you've received, if that's made you start to feel dirty and maybe you started to feel like a burden and the weight's getting heavy and I'm telling you, you should come down the front today and ask the Lord to set you free of that weight in Jesus' name because Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will, what do you say, my, my burden is my, sorry, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, exchange that heavy burden for a light burden, amen? Exchange that hard yoke for an easy yoke, amen? So listen to me, if you'll stand up for the word of God, if you'll come down the front for prayer, God will release you of that shame, that heaviness and that bitterness and he will restore the joy of the Lord's salvation in your life today. So if you felt like a burden, if the mockery of the world has started to crush you and stick to you, I'm telling you, if you come down the front, you will leave. I'm not saying you might, I'm telling you, you will leave with joy again. Not you might, you will leave with joy again, amen? The joy of the Lord's salvation, so come and get prayer. Now, I've got two more quicker points and 19 minutes to give them to you. Yesterday, I did get it done, ish. And so, like people wanted some prayer and stuff afterwards, that's not on me, that's on you, right? (laughs) But I got my bit done, all right, so... But um, I've got two more points for you, okay? Two quicker points. Abraham interceded for Sodom. He prayed for Sodom. I want to tell you, you need to pray for your city. And everybody agrees with that. We need to pray for our city. The question is, do you pray for your city? Do you actually pray for your city? Or do you, do you just complain about what's happening in your city? Do you actually pray for Iowa? Or do you just complain about what's happening in Iowa? Actually, pray for America or just complain about what's happening in America. I want to pray for Orange City. It's the only place in the world where apples grow on orange trees. I'm a dad, what can I say? (laughs) Do you pray for Des Moines? Do you pray for Allwine? Do you pray for Audubon? Are you like Abraham, willing to pray, willing to do the work, willing to intercede for your city? Or are you like Jonah, too late, I hate them all, hope they die in their pride? Our city is safer and better because you're in it, but is it going to become more righteous because you're in it? Will it change because you do the work? Will it repent as you speak up? Will you pray for your city? Man, we pray every single Thursday morning right here at, at church. We pray for our city. We pray for our government. We pray for America. We pray for them. Are you willing to join us? Will our city repent because you prayed with us? Will you lead in righteousness with us? See, no one should complain about their cities and their country if they're not willing to pray for their cities and their country. You know? I'm never going to stop praying for our country to repent. I want our country to repent, not be destroyed. I'm not the guy waiting for God to send fire and brimstone so I can stand to the side and be like, told ya! I'm like, no, I've got some really some good friends that are unsaved that I want to see repent. And there's a lot of people out there that hate me that I still love and I want to see them repent and I want to see them saved and I want to see them live the life that God designed for them, amen? See, I'm, uh, God didn't send me here to watch America burn He sent me here to help see it saved, amen? And he sent you here for that too. So let's not grow bitter. I will not be filled with hate no matter how hard they hate me. I will always be willing to take the arrows and the hits to see my city saved, amen? No matter how hard the attacks come, let's keep praying for our city. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. (coughs) What a philosophy to live your life by, right? And Jesus is like, That ain't it. I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray. Pray. Pray for those who persecute you. And to that, we should all say amen, right? 
Pray for your city. Pray for your state. Pray for your country. That they humble themselves and repent. That they surrender their lives to Christ and experience the healing power of God. Someone say amen. How do you pray? Similar to how you complain, but you flip the script. Some people are like, I don't know how to pray. You know how to complain. Just flip a couple of words and talk to God. Oh, flipping Joe Biden, I can't even believe what he did today. Joe Biden, well, just, Lord, I can't believe what Joe Biden did today. I pray you save his soul. I pray he has an encounter with God that, 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 that absolutely wrecks him, Lord God, in a good way, Lord God, that he'd find salvation, that he'd find help, Lord God, that the next couple of years, however long he's got, Lord God, he would spend them giving glory to God in Jesus' name. If you can complain about it, you've found some words to pray about it. Someone say amen. I just taught some of y'all how to pray. From now on, you're going to be like, what did I complain? Listen, if you can complain about your wife, you can pray for your wife. If you can complain about your husband, you can pray for your husband. Ladies, say amen, right? Like, just flip that script a little bit and talk to God. That's all Abraham was doing, talking to God. You can do that too. If you can complain about it, you ought to pray about it. I hope you get on your knees about it more than you complain about it. Somebody say, amen. It's a good word for somebody. If you want prayer afterwards, if you're like, man, I have been ridiculing my city. I spoke a couple of weeks ago and just a moment of it, I talked about how some people are like Jonah and they're like, burn it, baby, burn it. And like some Christians are like that. Jonah was like that. Jonah was so annoyed that God saved the city instead of burning it all the way to a crisp. Uh, and then he's suicidal under a tree with his leaf, complaining about a worm that nibbled on his leaf, right? And, and he was just mad because God saved Nineveh. If that's been you, well, maybe you forgot to come down the front two weeks ago. Or maybe you weren't here. Come down the front today. And ask for God to restore in you a passion for people's salvation over destruction. Can I get an amen? So come on down the front in a moment. Lastly, this one's really important. In a world that looks more and more like Sodom. And again, I said looks more and more like Sodom. Pray for your family. You need to pray for your family. Okay? Abraham was praying for Sodom, chatting with God, interceding with God. For Sodom. He starts saying, Lord, if there's 50 righteous. And God's like, fine. And then Abram thinks to himself, he's like, 50? Man, I set the bar pretty high. Sodom's filthy. He ain't gonna find 50. Lord, I meant 45. God's like, right out, 45's fine. Then after that again, he goes, man, 45, 45. I don't think I've met that many in Sodom. Lord, how about 40? God's like, 40, I won't destroy it if I find 40 righteous people. Then he's like, ah, I, still, I don't think God's going to find 40. 30, God's like, giddy up. Uh, 20, God's like, right out. He's like, ah, 10. God's like, fine, 10. Because in the end, Abram, realizing Sodom really is a pretty filthy place, I think when it comes down to it, what Abraham was mostly interceding for was his nephew he wanted to save Lot sure he did try to save the whole city and we should too absolutely but the most important thing about living in or near a city that seems like Sodom in some ways is that you're actually praying for your family if you believe we live in evil times what are you doing about it if you believe your kids live in an evil world, do you pray like it's true? Hear a lot of people complain about the schools here in Iowa. Do you pray more than you complain about the schools? Do your kids see you complain all weekend long about their schools? Fine, let them know what's wrong with it. But then you send them to school with no prayer. And they're like, man, if it really was that bad, mum and dad would pray for me before I go there. 
right? Because if you complained about it all weekend, it must be pretty bad. Wouldn't want to send my kids to a place that warrants 48 hours of complaint without praying for them. Lazy Christianity recognizes the times, but does nothing about it. Yes, we need a vote. And we had last night, because we've got government people that, government people, sound like a redneck as I said that. Let's be honest, I am. I'm just a redneck that dresses like sort of East Coast, West Coast. That's it. I just look like them, but in my heart, I'm like you. So, I just pointed the big, biggest redneck I could find, that's all. So, <laughs> I've got to find my way back to the sermon. This will help. Lazy Christianity. Recognize that. At our church... <laughs> Last night's a couple of government people, because many attend our church. So we had a state senator and a state representative, right? Awesome to vote for godly values. Praise God, right? Awesome. We got uh, one of our local mayors down the back here. Awesome to vote for godly people in positions of power and authority. That matters. Don't be the Christian that complains about your city and doesn't vote. Don't complain about your school board, but doesn't do anything about it. Don't come, don't, you know, hear what I'm saying? Yeah. But there is something that, that's more important than who's in an elected position or not, and it's are you praying for the people in those elected positions or not? There's something more important than that too. No matter what happens in those positions, are you praying for your kids? Because prayer is more effective than your vote. Your vote matters, always vote. I'm telling you, always vote. But prayer is more effective than your vote. Dads, let's not be spiritually lazy fathers that recognize the evil that our kids have to endure, but then not even pray for them, not even intercede for them. We need to equip our children with the word. We need to teach them the truth. We need to encourage and empower them in God's house. And we need to pray, 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 pray. I love that Abram didn't just be like, Lord, please don't, and walk away. He's like, please don't. And then he's like, yeah, there might not be 50. Kept praying. Ah, there might not be 40. Kept praying. Ah, there might not be 40. Kept praying. Might not be 30. Kept praying. I love that he kept praying. Let's not be lazy fathers and uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces. Let's, let's pray. Pray that they stand firm and stand strong and stand up and that they know the Lord and they live according to His ways and pray for God's protection over them. If they attend a public school, pray, 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 pray. Yes, it's better if we can get them into Christian schools or charter schools or home schools, but not everybody can do that. Not everybody can afford that. Not everybody's called to that. If you're in a public school then, and if that's all that can happen, then Let's pray and believe that God can help them endure it, that God can help them, that God can help them preach within it, that God can help them share the gospel within it. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> pray, 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 pray. You know, the favorite part of every day for me, every day, is I get up in the morning before school and I cook my kids a hot breakfast. I wish they were more grateful for it than they are sometimes. Oh, bacon and eggs again. Sorry that every other kid's hungry, but you got bacon and eggs again. Anyway. <laughs> now, or waffles or pancakes or, or scrambled. I love it. I get up and we cook breakfast for them before school. And then, I, uh, then we get them in the car and I drive them to school. And it's my favorite part of the day is breakfast and driving to the school. And I love it so much that we had an epiphany a few weeks ago that, um, that with the fifth kid going to school, I don't fit in my truck. That broke my heart. I've had a truck for a long time. I love having a truck. It's like a bougie neck truck. It's like fancy, but it's a truck, you know? And um, so we're like, all right, I've got to get a dad car. So now I've got an SUV. Now, serious, because I love, I'm not willing to not do that. I'm also not willing to find my wife in the middle of the day and trade cars either but I'm not willing to give up driving these kids to school. 
Because on the way to school, we pray every single day. And we get out of the car and I kiss them and they, they actually still kiss me, which is awesome. Because I make them, but... but they... <laughs> okay, one of them doesn't kiss me, but I kiss them. And I pray for them and I bless them. I just, it's my favorite part of it. I'm going to pray for my kids. Hopefully one day they'll realize that, yeah, dad looks like a weenie in his dad car now, but he (laughs) prayed every single day. Amen. Prayed. It's worth a sacrifice to be able to pray with your kids every day. Pray. Some of you need to come and intercede for your families at the altar call today because you're, you're convicted and you're like, man, I actually don't pray. I just complain. You need to come pray for our nephews and our nieces, our brothers and our sisters, our uncles and our aunties, our fathers and our mothers, our sons and daughters, our stepfathers and stepmothers, our stepsons and stepdaughters, our grandparents and grandchildren, our second cousins, our first cousins. We need to pray. If the world is worth complaining about, man, it's really worth praying for your family in the middle of it. Amen? <clears throat> Would you all stand up with me? And We're going to stand in the gap for our cities, for our families, for our friends, for our neighbors. Church will be over in about five minutes. I'm going to land the plane on time today. But I'm telling you, if, if you feel like God's convicting you or just speaking to you, or maybe you've been carrying that heavy burden as well, where you've been starting to feel like a burden instead of a blessing to your city, I want you, along with those who, 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 who need to be transformed from a bit of a Jonah Christian to an Abraham Christian, I want you as well, along with those who need to come and stand in the gap for their kids or their family or their relatives, I want you to come down the front right now. Just walk on down the front. We're going to pray for you. Just walk straight down. There we go. We've got people coming. See, you're never alone at an altar call at Eternity Church. Come on down. <clears throat> Come on down. We're going to pray. Amen. What are we going to do? Come on. What are we going to do? Pray. If you're worried about it, what should you do? Pray. If you're struggling in your marriage, what should you do? Pray. If you've been complaining about Biden, what should you do? If you've been complaining about Trump, what should you do? been complaining about government, what should you do? If you're scared of a school district, what should you do? Pray, Pray, right? We're not going to recognize the times and complain about it and not even pray about it. Amen. I'm believing today that many people that you're going to be released of that heavy burden is going to be replaced with a light yoke, an easy yoke and a light burden today. I'm also believing that God's going to do a miracle in your family's lives. Could you two come down here and join these guys with me? I just want to pray for you. Thank you. They don't smell. You might. We all might a little bit. I normally do after church. So we're going to pray. Could you all reach out your hands in faith right now? Heavenly Father, many of us have had to endure different attacks of the world because honestly, we're just doing Christianity. God, and we know that as we preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, as we stand up for who Jesus is, what you say. As we love truth and want to see the world set free, we know that we're going to get some darts, some arrows, some pain, some heat, some hate even. And God, for many of my brothers and sisters, they've started to carry that. They've started to feel a burden instead of the blessing that they are to their city and their families and their friends. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just release them in Jesus' name of that heavy burden right now in the name of Jesus. God, just release them of that heavy burden in the name of Jesus. They're not what the neighbors say. They're not what their relatives say. They're not what the world says, Lord God. These people are blessings from God for our cities. Here, there, and everywhere. In Des Moines, in in Audubon, in Owine, in Fort Dodge, God, in, in Iowa, in the Midwest, God, wherever these believers are online, Lord God, we are blessings, not burdens. And I pray that that feeling of being a burden in their city would break off in Jesus' name and it would be replaced with an understanding, Lord God, of who they are and who you say they are. 
Lord God, the salt of their city, the light in their families, Lord God. I pray that they would all know that. God, that they would seek first the kingdom of God and your affections, Lord God, and that well done, good and faithful servant over that well done person. God, they wouldn't seek that from the world, but from you in Jesus' name. And God, for those who have begun to let that turn into a bitterness and a hatred for the, hatred for the world, God, I pray that we would not be like Jonah, but God, we'd be like Abraham, willing to stand in the gap and intercede and pray, 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 pray for our cities. And God, right now we pray for every city that we live in, Lord God. God, we pray for our elected officials that you would, God, either, either transform their minds or remove and replace them, we pray in Jesus' name. But God, I pray that above all, that they would repent, turn their lives around and give glory to God. That they would find transformation and salvation, healing and victory in the name of Jesus Christ. God, for those in our government and cities that love you, I pray for the strength to stand firm, to keep on carrying that torch for the faith and for what's right in Jesus' name, God. Strengthen them. May the insults and the, and the lies and the hate and the heat just fall off them like water off a duck's back as they choose to honour you first. And God, I pray for our families. God, for every person in the room that has unsaved loved ones. God, help us to be a light in their lives that though they may not agree with us, that they would see in us a joy and a peace. They would see the victory that we live our lives in. They would see the hope that we always have. And they would want it. That your goodness would pass before their eyes, perhaps through us. But God, we pray you send people into their lives us and others, Lord God, to bring them back to you, I pray. Lord God, we pray for our sons and daughters, our mothers and our fathers, our grandfathers and grandmothers, grandsons and granddaughters, stepchildren and stepparents, nephews and nieces, uncles and aunties. Lord God, we pray for them and we ask in the name of Jesus that we would get to see the day that they bow their knees that they repent and experience the healing power of God and discover you're a good father who heals, who restores, who provides, and who never leaves. In Jesus' name, could someone say amen? Amen, amen, amen. So God bless you, church. You can come down the front if you want prayer for anything. Our team's gonna be praying for you. Uh, don't forget, we got free espresso out in the lobby. If you're new, go get your free t-shirt. If you need any help with anything, find a fluorescent yellow people. Uh, if you want help with anything, I mean it, just go find one of our fluoro yellow people. They wanna help you. But church, we love you. Go home and what? Pray. What? Go home and what? Pray. <laughs> don't complain more than you pray. God bless you. Love you heaps, church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.